tonight, uh, as kind of final discipline for 2018, here's the list that we have covered to date. Uh, went through it this morning, uh, and then this morning we, we thought of that last discipline on the list, stewardship, a disciplined use of our time and a disciplined use of our money. Tonight's discipline is possibly one of the smallest not so readily or easily recognized as a spiritual discipline. Uh, Almost seems too low-key to kind of call it a discipline. And yet, if practiced, if consistently practiced, this discipline can have a pretty major, even monumental impact on your life and on the lives of others. And as Brian has said, the discipline we're looking at tonight is gratitude. Someone has said that when Christians talk about how to become more like Jesus... A lot of disciplines come up, things like prayer, Bible reading, and community, which is one we haven't looked at. What doesn't come up enough and might have a bigger impact than we imagine is developing an attitude of gratitude. But what exactly is it? What exactly is the spiritual discipline of gratitude? Well, I'll get to a couple of definitions in a moment, but at a very basic level. It's just about being grateful. It's just about being thankful. And the reason that it, that it can and should be seen as a discipline is because like so many of the others we have looked at, gratitude requires intention. It's a deliberate choice. It needs to be pursued. It needs to be exercised. It needs to be expressed. It actually requires effort and training to be a grateful person. It doesn't necessarily come naturally. Now, some people, some people due to their personality, their background, their upbringing, some people might be ordinarily more grateful, more prone to it than others. But for most of us and most in our culture, the tendency is to veer in the opposite direction in our heads and in our hearts and in our words. So often we complain. Often we grumble whinge. We tend to be often more negative than positive, to see the bad before we see the good, to see the problems before we see the blessings, don't we? In terms of a definition, here's a very simple one. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful. It's a readiness to show appreciation. Now, now biblically, this, this kind of quality and this readiness is affirmed and encourages all over its pages giving thanks, bringing a sacrifice of thanksgiving, entering into God's presence with thanksgiving, never ceasing to give thanks, singing songs and hymns with thankfulness, with gratitude, even giving thanks in all circumstances. It's all over the place. Seems to be part and parcel of Christian faith and practice, a potentially distinctive feature of Christian faith and practice. A virtue, a moral virtue, I think it was Marcus Cesario, who's a sort of first century philosopher, who said that gratitude was the parent of all other virtues. Gratitude was the parent of all other virtues. And in the New Testament, on one occasion, Paul talks about Christians overflowing with gratitude, that it just is something that spills out of Christians, or should spill out of 
Christians. Here's what he says to the Christians in Colossae. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And then this bit, and overflowing with gratitude, overflowing with thankfulness. A key component of Christian discipleship is clearly, it would seem, gratitude. That if you've received the Jesus, then you're to live in him, you're to grow in him, which reinforces our faith, and therefore we should be people who are crammed full, who are overflowing with gratitude. But back to this as a spiritual discipline, because there's a couple of really important points I want to kind of make and highlight and affirm right at the start. And the first is this, that gratitude is a choice. It's not a feeling, or it's more than a feeling. It's a choice. You see, if we base this discipline purely on feelings, then we're going to be in trouble. See, for many people, if they feel happy, then they will be grateful. But as one Christian writer puts it, it is not happiness that makes us grateful. It's gratefulness that makes us happy. See, gratitude is a choice. It's a choice to say thank you to God. It's a choice to be thankful even when we don't feel grateful. And that's hard. It is hard, especially in specific moments whenever we receive word, whenever we receive news that leaves us feeling deeply ungrateful. But again, this is part of why this practice, this attitude, this stance must be seen as a spiritual discipline. It's a conscious choice to adopt this position as opposed to the alternative one. Second thing I want to say is that gratitude does not involve denial. Does not involve the denial of the reality of life's hard edges and sharp sorrows. Life is rubbish at times. Life is tough, like really tough at times. There's so many people here who that is their experience at the moment. Bad stuff, sad stuff does happen to everyone. Christians aren't exempt from that. And so this is not about plastic smiles through gritted teeth whenever your world has fallen apart. It's not what we're talking about. It's about a choice to shift the focus, to open our eyes to a more expansive view of reality, to see the presence of God in the mess, to adopt an alternative perspective that is somehow able, and I, I, I don't always get this, but it's to adopt an alternative perspective that is somehow able to give thanks in all circumstances, and then this next bit gets me. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so what we're talking about actually is radical gratitude. Gratitude in every situation. Now listen, it's not gratitude for every situation necessarily, but it's gratitude in every situation. But how is that even possible? It's possible when you have an expansive view of reality, when you have a big picture perspective. It's because we have this mindset that says, God, you are still in control. You still love me, and I can still trust you. That's, that's the only way we can live this walk this out. Gratitude is not about denial. It's about reframing, if you like, 
One writer puts it like this, you cannot control what happens to you in life, but you can always control what you feel and do about what happens to you. Now notice it's not how you feel, it's what you feel. It's about tracing rainbows through rain showers. It's about reframing, it's about reimagining, it's about renewing your mind to see the one above and choosing to give thanks, choosing to express gratitude. It's about, to quote Paul again, this time writing to Ephesian believers, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. For everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that is the discipline of radical gratitude. But as we dig a bit deeper, let's think about the opposite practice, ingratitude, which according to a number of spiritual writers is the root of all vice. If gratitude's the parent of all virtue, maybe ingratitude's the root of all vice. And part of the reason for saying and suggesting that is because one of the key consequences and results of ingratitude is what? Well, according to Scripture, one of the key outcomes and consequences of ingratitude is a hardened heart, which in terms of Christian faith and practice is disastrous. There are few things that will derail a Christian quicker than a callous heart. And according to Scripture, ingratitude, complaining, grumbling will certainly cause your heart to harden. God has made that clear. And as recently as April this year, as we read through Exodus in our Up Close and Personal series, and as we tracked the adventures of God's people in those early days, we encountered this very situation, this very outcome. I'm not going to go over it again in any great detail, but in Exodus 15, the people of God find themselves in an uncomfortable place, like a really uncomfortable place. There are difficult circumstances to face, but their immediate response, their immediate reaction is to complain. It's complaint, it's ingratitude, and they express their feelings in no uncertain terms, and we read, so the people grumbled against Moses. Now, this was a group of people who had experienced immense blessing in the immediate past. A matter of days before their rank ingratitude, they were worshiping God. They were singing their hearts out for all the incredible things God had done. They were saying, God, you are unique. You are awesome. You have delivered us. You've rescued us from slavery. You've brought us through the Red Sea. They were singing their hearts out. A matter of days later, they're complaining and they're grumbling and they're expressing rank and gratitude. And this in itself reminds us that when it comes to the discipline of radical gratitude, one of the tendencies we have as human beings is to very quickly forget all the good things that God has done for us. All the good things that we should be thankful for, and we tend to dwell on the bad. So there can be numerous positives, but I'll guarantee you our ingrained inclination is to notice the negatives. Someone has talked about the Velcro and the Teflon effect. Negative stuff's like Velcro, you know, it sticks and it stays, whereas all the good things, all the blessings, all the positives, they're like Teflon, they tend to just slip out of our conscience and out of our memory. Very quickly, we rapidly forget. And back in Exodus, the people of God are consumed by their circumstances, and even though God miraculously provides for them time and time again, despite their ingratitude first time round, we read in the very next chapter that in no time at all, they're at it again in the desert, 
the whole community grumbled, not only just against Moses now, but they've upped the ante. They're grumbling against Aaron as well. Now, there was lots going on in those chapters at the time. But one of the very disturbing outcomes of this culture of complaint and this lack of gratitude is, as I've said, it's a hardened heart. It's a hardened heart. That's, that's what happens here in Exodus. And we know that because of something we read in Psalm 95. And Psalm 95 is in part a reflection. It's a commentary on what happened in Exodus. And so here's what God says in Psalm 95 about what happened back in Exodus 15 and 16. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. That's the area they were in as you did that day at Massa, in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. The complaining and the grumbling and the ingratitude had caused their hearts to harden as they questioned God's goodness. They said, God, I'm not sure you are good. I'm not sure you are in control. I'm not sure we can trust you. And those hardened hearts caused massive damage. And they led to huge repercussions because as we read in Numbers 14, it's a result of their complaining, it's as a result of their ingratitude that they spent years wandering in the wilderness where no one over the age of 20 at that time would ever enter the promised land. Is that serious? And this is why whenever you get into the New Testament, as Paul reflects on these kind of incidents in the Old Testament involving the people of God, that he tells Christians, and he tells Christians in Corinth, for example, do not grumble as some of them did. And whenever he was writing to Christians in Philippi, he went even further and he said, do everything, do everything without grumbling, without complaining. You see, Paul knew the deep and internal damage caused by a lack of gratitude and getting caught in the cycle in this culture of complaint. And therefore, he urged Christians to adopt a different mindset, which if nothing else, he says, that's what will guard your heart. That is what will keep your heart soft. That will, is what will protect your heart from going hard. See, ingratitude will never benefit your Christian life. Therefore, practice the opposite attitude of gratitude. One of the uh, interesting things and aspects about this dis discipline, this biblical virtue, is that beyond these walls, in a sense, beyond a church context, there is a broad, there's a wide re general recognition of the value and benefits of, of gratitude, of choosing to be grateful. People of no faith, people who have little or no time for God or His Word, they readily recognize that gratitude is a really important and beneficial life choice and attitude. I was reading a number of articles around this subject, and one of them that caught my eye was the science behind gratitude and how it can change your life. Here's the opening paragraph from this article. The benefits of practicing gratitude are nearly endless. People who regularly practice gratitude by taking time to notice and reflect upon the things they're thankful for, they experience more positive emotions, feel more alive, sleep better, express more compassion and kindness, and even have a stronger immune system. It's brilliant. Article goes on to say, as it turns out, there is scientific proof that being grateful is just plain good for you. Now, I'm not wanting to get into or question the science behind this claim, but you know one thing for sure? Despite gratitude being increasingly countercultural, this is one of those spiritual disciplines that resonates with the wider world. Okay, so how do we practice it? 
How do we pursue it intentionally? How do we pursue it deliberately? Discipline yourself, says Paul to Timothy, for the purpose of godliness. How do we do that with gratitude? What are the things? I've, I've, I've tried my best at times to make this series as practical as possible, so the question is how. How do we do this? Well, let me give you five ways. The first is pray regularly and biblically. And I say that based on, on Philippians 4. And we know this, this verse well, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, and then this little bit, with thanksgiving present your request to God. You see, by praying regularly about those things that weigh heavy upon us, those people that weigh heavy upon us, that situation that weighs heavy upon us, those circumstances that weigh heavy upon us, by praying with thanksgiving, as this verse instructs us to do, so that's what it means to pray biblically, pray regularly, pray biblically with thanksgiving. When we do that, we will more readily develop an attitude of gratitude. If we're praying and we're praying with thanksgiving, then the tendency to complain, the tendency to grumble, the tendency to express ingratitude will be greatly reduced. Allow gratitude to permeate your praying. That's one step. Secondly, remember to remember. One of the prime causes of ingratitude is forgetfulness. The children of Israel, you see, they quickly forgot God's goodness, but this can be so easy to do. So easy to do, especially whenever your current situation or problem is threatening to consume you. And there are people here, and I know this, whose current situation and circumstances are threatening to consume them. But it's why memory matters. It's important to recall and savor the good. Take time to remember and give thanks. It's what we do on a regular basis here at Windsor Round, this table, this doing remembers of me. We've got to keep coming back and giving thanks to God for Jesus and for his sacrifice for us. There's just one thing we've got to keep remembering to remember in order to develop an attitude of gratitude. As one person has written, do you want to be a grateful person? Then remember to remember. And on a very practical note, can I encourage you to consider writing down what you're grateful for? Do it as a one-off exercise this week. I know I got you at the start of this to just think of one thing that you're thankful for and to say thank you for it. Why not get into the habit of writing it down? Write it down in your journal if you're using it as part of this series. One thing that you're grateful for. What about writing down one thing you're grateful for at the end of each and every day? And then when you read back over it from time to time, it'll encourage you to remember the good so that those things don't become like Teflon. For, for anyone who has picked up on the discipline of examine that we looked at back in October, you might recall that the first step in the daily examine is gratitude. Those of you who are using those wee bookmarks that Gordon prepared for us, the first step in the daily examine is gratitude. Recall anything from the day for which you're especially grateful and give thanks. Remember to remember. Be intentional, be deliberate, be disciplined in that. And it will protect your heart. Three, speak words of gratitude. Not just to God in prayer, which of course we've got to do. That's what the Bible teaches. Pray with, bring in our petitions with thanksgiving before God. So certainly express our thanksgiving to God. But you know, this can be as simple and as basic as saying just thank you. Some people believe this is fast becoming a lost art. Just saying thank you. 
And yet when we do it, we foster a kind of thank you renaissance. I was reading this week of a recent survey in the workplace around this whole subject, and a recent survey just around this whole subject of gratitude discovered that only 7% of employees regularly say thank you to their bosses. And only 10% regularly say thank you to their colleagues. Thank you is such a small expression of gratitude, and yet it goes a long way, doesn't it? When someone just says thank you. means a lot. But more importantly, regularly choosing to say thank you promotes, feeds, and fuels gratitude. And as a slight extension of this, why not from time to time put your gratitude in writing? There's nothing more encouraging than just receiving a note, receiving an email, receiving a text, receiving a message, where someone just says thank you. Thank you for something you've done. Thank you for something you've said. Thank you for something you've shared. Just thank you for being you. One of the other recognized benefits of this discipline is that it it turns our gaze outwards as opposed to inwards. You see, gratitude encourages us to appreciate others. One of the most fascinating incidents in the Gospels features a group of people who all received an amazing blessing, and yet only one of them said thank you. Who can tell me what that was? The ten lepers. Luke 17. Jesus heals ten of them. How many come back? One. Only one. And I know there's more going on in that incident, but Jesus appeared to be disappointed and confused by the lack of gratitude on the part of the other nine. I mean, they must have been grateful. I mean, leprosy was a debilitating illness. They must have been grateful that this guy had healed them. But only one actually comes back and speaks words of gratitude. Articulating thanksgiving is an important exercise. It's an important action. It's an important expression. Speak words of gratitude. Four, here's a curveball. Left field. Practice fasting. And the reason I've included it here is because according to many different people, periodic fasting is one of the practices. It's one of the practices that can help you cultivate a strong and persistent feeling of thankfulness. Because at a very simple level, see when you go without food for a day or for any length of time, that'll enhance your appreciation of the gift of food. And also the sustenance of God, that will teach us that, hey, you know, man doesn't live in bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting reminds us not to take food for granted, not to take any of the blessings in our lives for granted. So you want to up the gratitude? Continue for those of you who have started continue practicing the discipline of fasting. And then fifthly, keep company with Jesus. Keep company with Jesus. Let me read you three verses from Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three times the discipline of gratitude and thankfulness is mentioned, but it's centered on Jesus. The peace of Christ is to rule in our hearts, and we're to be thankful. The message of Christ is to dwell richly amongst us, which enables us, which inspires us to sing songs of gratitude. 
And we are to do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks through or to God through him, staying focused on Jesus, focused on his peace in our hearts and our minds, on his good news, his life-giving message residing deep within us, and his infusion into every single thing we say and do day in and day out. Those are the things that engender. Those are the things that incite. Those are the things that provoke gratitude. Peace of Christ. Message of Christ, the name of Christ. Keep company with Jesus. Remain enthralled by Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Five ways to practice gratitude. And it is a discipline, it's a spiritual discipline. Being thankful is not always experienced as a natural state of existence. It's not. We must work at it, akin to a type of strength training for the heart. Love that. It's a choice. It's an intentional, deliberate, daily choice that goes way beyond feelings. And gratitude may be seen as a small discipline, but as I said at the start, it can have a monumental impact and effect on your life and on the lives of those around you. Final quote, maybe this goes too far, but I love its sentiment. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, and a stranger into a friend. May we be a grateful people who practice the discipline of gratitude for the purpose of godliness.